Good evening, Patriots. And it's still Wednesday, March 30th, in the year of 2022. <laughs> There's all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Get this, earthquake reports, the earthquakes for this date, 3-30-22, there were a total of 250 earthquakes worldwide. This is just getting a little weird. And there was a 6.9 magnitude earthquake that hit eastern Australia, yet no tsunami warning. That's a wild one. We'll have a little bit more on that in a second. So, yeah, things are getting a little strange. If you believe in deep underground bases, well, I bet you're pretty excited right now. By the way, they're not dumbs. For those of you that keep saying they're dumbs, they're not. Because dumbs are specifically deep underground military bases. So don't be dumb and call them dumbs. Pretty simple. They're just deep underground bases. There's a very distinct difference. And yes, deep underground bases do exist. If you've been on White Sands Missile Base, you will note that there's tons of vehicles parked in the middle of the desert and there's nothing there. That's because they're underground. Just so you know, there is truth to all that. Before we begin, we're going to get a little message here on your immune system. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune system strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. All right, I was reading some of the comments on the board. I'm trying to not laugh too much, but it's, there's some good ones tonight. I guess I got everybody started with dumbs. There was another earthquake, too, in, uh, looks like in Yellowstone. Here, listen to this real quick. What's up, guys? Got some earthquake swarm activity going on at Yellowstone, showing up over here on the earthquake map and also showing up on the seismographs today at the Yellowstone Supervolcano Caldera. Hey, all right. So if that sucker goes off, we can forget about society in America. It's over. So much for global cooling, global warming. It'll be global ash dump. Everybody will be part of a molten lava fiesta. That'll be kind of nice. At least it'll be interesting. You can never say that this period in your life was not interesting. Look back on this and they'll say, Grandpa, Grandma, how was it back in 2022? 
you're going to look at them and say, look, I'm going to tell you, watch a couple movies. Watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Watch Monty Python, The Meaning of Life. Watch Blazing Saddles, in particular, listen to the fart scene around the fire after they ate beans, and you will understand the time in which we lived, and it will be more truthful than anything you'll read in your history books. Pretty much it. That's it. I, I, can't, I can't think of a better way of summing up this period of time. It's about just like that. So, But here's a real interesting, it's a good piece, putting it together, so just take a listen to this. Are you seeing it yet? Do you see how deep this goes? Do, do you see how everything is interconnected between these shadow governments and shadow organizations and shadow multi-trillionaire trillionaire societies that live within our culture? To see how deep this really goes. Who would have thought that the Ukrainian situation was tied in with the pandemic situation, which was tied in with the Epstein situation? All of these things are intertwined. And if you're not seeing it yet, you need to start opening your eyes and opening your ears to these things and dig up some research on these foundations, things like the World Economic Forum. And there's no way that these things are a coincidence, right? There's no way that all of these individuals who are basically implementing tyranny against the, the, the world population at this point, this is not only happening in the United States, this is happening on a global level, right? We're seeing people all over the world question the narrative. It's not just in the U.S. Although when we start to see all of these ties, we see that the U.S. seemingly is at the epicenter of all of these things that have been happening over the last two to three years. Oh, yeah, we're right in the middle of it. Right smack dab. Right smack dab in the middle of the whole world pain. The caldera of hell is being stirred right here. It's, it's pretty crazy when you think about this time, seriously and how everything is coming together. All pieces were related. We were going forward into this, all thinking we had this sucker ha handled. You're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be kind of tough. A little bit rough. We get rid of those Democrats and get rid of the left. It's all going to be over. Nope. Long ways from it. We have, the, we have the world infected from top down. I swear, if you saw Duncan's show yesterday, he was on the vril. Sometimes you have to wonder. The eye worm that wraps around your optical nerve by some alien species that gets hold of these people's brains. But you know what's crazy about that, and I'm, I'm, I'm really serious. If you listen to the interview I did with Dr. Lee Merritt last week, and I don't remember where it is. It's somewhere in the last third of the interview, I believe. She's talking about this technology with this nanotech and graphene oxide and hydera vulgaris, I think it is, and how it has the ability in some of these iterations to settle in and settle in around the optic nerve, which gives the control of the signals to the brain. And I even made the comment. I said, oh, like the Vril? She goes, oh, yeah, it kind of sounds like the Vril. She knows what I was talking about. If you don't know what the Vril is, you're going to go check it out. The craziest part is there was a book called written called the Vril. It's written in like 1875 or something like that. And then there's this dude that was exploring the caves, the tunnel systems under LA. You can just look it up. Just look up tunnel systems, Vril, and uh, like lizard heads or something. And you'll see it. It's right, And it's right under Hollywood, which is even more weird. And then, of course, you had the Nazi Vril Society. So, I mean, it, it these people aren't ashamed to tell you how they are. They're just weird. 
But coming back home to some more pertinent issues, we do have the rising food costs, which is real, and that's not something that's going to go away. And and in a very concerned effort, or a very focused point, I guess I should say, we need to be aware that this is going to start hitting children and families. There are a lot of single-parent families. There are a lot of families on the edge right now. And as much as we talk about preparations, which we need to be doing so, we really need to keep our eyes open for those that really are on the edge and are, are sliding now. If you are in the means to do so, I have not encountered it at this point, but I will do it if I do. But if we have the means to do so and we start identifying people that can't afford to buy groceries, and, are, and you'll see it because it's not hard to notice. You start finding like people having to take stuff out of their cart. We need to help where we can because this stuff really, I will, I will tell you honestly, just speaking from, and I don't know where this comes from because I, I grew up in a good family and I, I would say I was very fortunate in my growing up. We weren't rich. My dad was a general contractor in a town. Well, and as I'm telling the story, I know exactly where it came from, so I'll continue. Um, in the small town that I'm back living in now, we saw about 22, 22 to 30% inflation. I'm sorry, unemployment. 22 to 30% unemployment during a period when I grew up. I've seen very real poverty, and I've seen the desperation of families that went from being in the logging industry and were making a good living to literally losing everything. I've seen families struggling to put food on the table and, and to keep milk on the refrigerator. And I've also told you the story of when I was on the campaign trail supporting President Trump. We weren't part of the Trump campaign, but we were definitely trying to rally votes for him. And I, I had a real wake-up call. You know, I, I was living up in Philadelphia that time, and this that super PAC that I stood up, unaligned, but it was pro-Trump. And you can still read about it. And if you, you know, I always tell these things because people are like, what did you do? It's like, well, go look at Breitbart News, type in Kilroy, K-I-L-R-O-Y, rising. Put my name, Scott Kesterson, and you'll see the article. And you'll see the letter we wrote and the letter that I delivered to Donald, to President, then candidate Trump at the Trump Tower at exactly the time that the aircrafts hit the building on 9-11. But that I spent, I don't know, $40,000 on that super pack or something like that of my own money. And so here I am, we're traveling around, a couple of us you know, raising votes for President Trump. And when you run into people that are trying to just get $5 or $10 to put some milk in a loaf of bread in the refrigerator, when you've been around people in New York two weeks prior that are spending $10 on a cup of coffee, you really begin to realize the separation between everybody. And, you know, when I had my little run-in with the deep state and they decided to throw me in jail for 20 days in September of 2017, and I don't talk a lot about this, but it cost me everything. And I lived in a way that I, God put me back and humbled me deeply. I, um, and I know what it's like to have 
not enough money for food. And um, it's that memory stayed with me. I, that was the way I was for a good part of a year. As I put my life back together. And God let it. And it humbles you. And you gain the respect of what you have and the importance of giving. And I really try to live that way. I've always been of a giving heart, but I'm different now. I mean, I, I seek out what I can to do God's bidding and as God calls. And I hope that others do too. You know, we talk a lot about a lot of things on this channel. I mean, in, in Bard's Nation, we have a lot of range of discussions. We touch on the, the evil. We touch on the intensity of the kind of the Christian warrior spirit. But, you know, deep in a warrior's heart is also the compassion and love for people. There's some really powerful videos around right now of the Russian soldiers giving food out to the Ukrainians. But they're in, in they're in Donbass, and I think they're in Donbass. They're just wherever they are. It, it's really not the point, is it? They're there to help a brethren because they're all tied together anyway by blood. And I watched this piece today. That was just it was just really moving. It's just a, it was a man had a he was on crutches and he had a bag of food. And he was uh, loading his backpack. And he was just, he had a bad leg and he was sitting on the sidewalk. He could hardly load. And a soldier came up. Man, I'll tell you, we, in this day and age, these acts of kindness just are so missing and they're so beautiful to see. And he literally just spent time carefully putting in the milk bottles and the food in the man's backpack, helping him organize it better. We really need that sort of kindness. We need a lot of it. Our nose, <clears throat> our nose is in the grindstone of this war constantly, and we are constantly seeing the most wretched face of evil. While we don't have any farther to turn than Disney, that sewer pit of hell. And we see the, the desire of these people to damage children. And we see the joy and glee of these people to murder elderly and to leave them torturing and dying slowly in their, in alone. And so when you see soldiers and it doesn't have to be soldiers, but that's just what's coming out. And you see one side, like the Z Battalion, going out and slaughtering the Azov Battalion, which is wonderful to watch. And I have no, I have no problem telling you I'm happy to see the dead bodies of Azov. Especially with some of the horrific things that they have done and continue to do. But then you see the other side which is what I've always said, is in war you see the, the greatest and the worst of humanity. And you see this, this giving place where the Russian soldiers are literally taking so much care to take care. And it's, it's not just a normal, of like, here's a bag of food and get out of here. It's truly a beautiful act of the care that they're taking to make sure, like the elderly, 
the older woman that was getting her bag filled today and the soldier was filling it, another woman that was trying to get some stuff, but she was had her hands full and the kids were busy and the soldiers literally took her bag away from her and filled it with more stuff. Every time she thought she was done, he's like, no, 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 come back and gave her more stuff. Another soldier that met the two children and each of them getting gifts, chocolate or something. That is restoring our humanity. And we have, <clears throat> we have to restore our humanity. We have to maintain it more than anything because it's so easy to lose it. And I'm speaking from experience. In war, it is too easy. And you're in a war. You're in a war. And the war, it is too easy to lose your humanity. It's too easy to flash out at the other side and just talk about how evil they are. Not all of them are evil. They're just stupid, a lot of them or they don't know, or they're victims. You know, one of the craziest things I did, um, not crazy, it's just one of the neat highlights I did. When I would go into the villages, many times going into the villages in Afghanistan, they had never seen the technologies that we were carrying. And it's very interesting because we talk a lot about technology, but there, these were people that had never seen a video camera. And they had never seen themselves on video. And I could literally walk into a hostile village as long as there were some kids there. And I'd walk in and I'd take my camera and I had a one of the I had a couple different Sony cameras I used, video cameras. And I would flip the video screen around. So the kids could see themselves on the screen. And so I wasn't even recording. I was just keeping the camera live so they could see it. And to watch the children discover that, you know, these are kids that are in the, they're living through a war zone in one fashion or another. And the curiosity, but waving their hand in front of the lens and seeing it on the camera putting their face and their eyes up to the lens and seeing it on the camera, having the kids stand around and all laugh at each other. That's maintaining humanity, let me tell you. And you're reminded really quickly how there's so much universalism with children. We're different religions. We're all divided by our beliefs. We're all mixed up in a pot of, oh, my God's better than yours, and I'm going to go to heaven and you're not, and I don't know. Someone asked me once, what would happen if you put Christ and Muhammad and Buddha and, and all these, whoever was ahead of Hinduism, what would happen if you put them all down in the log and had a conversation? It's an interesting thought. I never thought, you know, I've never answered it, but it's, it's the point that we sure do a great job of butchering unity. And children don't. Children are just beautiful, and they really do seek out to have joy in the world. And it's uh, really wonderful when you're in a foreign land like that, in the middle of what is effectively a war zone, and the children are growing up seeing soldiers in their backyard and gunfights at night, and to walk into a village 
and to flip that camera lens across and just watch them enjoy each other. You know, I just saw something. I'm going to make a comment on it. I saw something on the on the chat. And so he said, their knees would bow to Jesus, referring to what I just said. I want to point out something. Jesus walked among the people, and the people didn't just bow before him because he sought to be of us. When we start talking about, like, everybody's going to bow to him, I want to be clear about something, that there is a bit of an arrogance that we're bringing to this. Jesus didn't walk with arrogance. He walked with humility. And in fact, I would argue and have argued many, many times that most of us would not recognize him, that too many people would not recognize him. So because we're too wrapped up in an image of what we think Christ is like. I hear this all the time. I'll know who he is. It's like, I don't think you would. Because there's too much emphasis right now on the me and the world and not enough emphasis on the love and the passion for what he brings. And in the simple sense that if you want to look what happened to him when he went through crucifixion and that miserable walk amongst the people, don't talk to me about how people were going to bow to him. They took God's son and they turned their back on him. He was a rebel, a big one. And it's very easy for us to optically look back now and say, well, this is what we would do. I think those are one of those things that we, it's important that we do reflect on what we would do and how would we know. It's a nice thing to take into prayer is how would you know? How would you know? If Jesus is as the church likes to portray, which is kind of like this guy walking around that looks like a hippie, that's most of the images. Would you see him as Jesus or would you see him as a homeless beggar? And if you saw him as a homeless beggar, how would you interact? Because I guarantee how you come to him will be a big difference. It's a, mo- it's a point in my making of being humble. Because as we come in and we judge people harshly, and I, I'm telling you, I've learned this too well in the worst of the worlds. You can sit down and you, there was an old man that I, I worked with in Afghanistan. And when I first met him, he just seemed like an old man. Until you started to discover just like this, I mean, he, he wasn't dressed real well. He had been through a pretty difficult time. This old man ended up being like the most, as I got to know him, I discovered who I had been introduced to. This old man that was kind of cast off as a nobody. Well, you see, down in the southern part of Afghanistan, there's these things called karezes, and they're the water systems that were hand dug and made to flow water out to keep water in a dry desert. They're very sophisticated, though they don't look that way. Amazing engineering. And we couldn't figure them out. We could we could look at them and, and advise that we had engineers look at them to try to improve them, but no one really understood how the whole system worked. Well, guess what? This old man that most people brushed off that I got introduced to that would happen to be the father of an Afghan friend of mine, he was the one that designed them. 
And he could literally, I sat down with a meeting with him one time and I was chatting about the problems we were having of water flow in one of the villages outside of Kandahar. And he literally recited exactly what was wrong. He said, oh, it's this thing. He says, we've had this problem before right there. They're getting a block of leaves and of refuge, of refuge over on this point. We need to clear that out and it'll start the flow again. And then you'll, once you do these points and clear them out, the flow rate will go back up to X or whatever it was. He was dead on. It's exactly what happened. And he never saw it. He was sitting up in Kabul when he said it. We just have to be very careful as we encounter people, how quickly we are to judge. I want to read you something tonight. It's very different if you haven't heard it before. This was on the wall of our house when I grew up. And when we got in trouble, which was, as my brother and I were two brothers, which wasn't infrequent, my dad would send us into the hallway to read this. This is part of our quote-unquote punishment. It's called the Deserata. And it was written by Max Ehrman in 1927. Go placidly among the noise and haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly. And listen to others, even the dull and the ignorant, they too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter. For always there will be a greater and a lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself Especially do not feign affection, neither be cynical about love. For in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of years, gracefully surrendering to the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in the sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imagings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here, and whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God. Whatever you conceive him to be, and whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. That was the, I was on a wooden plaque collaged, wooden uh, 
backing collaged on the hallway in our home so that you could always pass by it and always read it. And it was always the reminder that my dad would have us read. He read it every day. And we probably at times read it every day too because we couldn't always do things right without getting in a little bit of trouble. But it's always a good reminder. It's a pretty safe focus on life to just keep your head away from the negativity and remember what a beautiful place we have. I think that one of the challenges we have as a nation is that too many people have not traveled outside of our borders. People have lived in different parts of the country. Some have lived in difficult times in homes and inner cities, and then they've lived in other places. And there's a range of experiences, but it's not the same as traveling abroad. And especially traveling abroad where you are truly a stranger. Because you give, you're put into a place of having to really, you experience truly being foreign. And you have to use a lot of your wits and your senses. And you have to be truly a humble person when you walk that place. Sadly, too many Americans have a reputation of being the ugly American. Because when they travel, they travel with the arrogance that they deserve whatever they get because they've earned the money. And believe me, I've run into this way too much. They've earned the money. They have a right to be there. They expect certain services, whatever. They, wouldn't act, they don't act at home the way they act abroad. I've always taken a challenge to myself to be native when I go, meaning I wanted to blend in. I don't want to be seen as foreign. And whether I was in England or whether I was in France or whether I was in Bosnia or whether I was in Czech Republic, Germany, Italy, Spain, Dubai, Korea, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, wherever I've been, it's always been the challenge to try to not be a a sore thumb in the landscape of the culture. To me, if we will, if we can all walk a little more humbly, I think that's a good thing. We're in a real crisis right now here in this nation and we haven't realized it yet. And we're here actually, we're, we're in the crisis, but we haven't realized it yet. We're still trying to fight and struggle for truth, but there's many people struggling and dying right now because of an injection. We still have a lot of people living in fear, living in accepting that the mask is now the new way of life. We have the silent ones that are suffering because they don't have enough money to buy food or gas. That's happening now. That's not new. They just, we don't see them yet because maybe we're not looking or maybe they're just doing a good job of hiding it. But these sorts of increase in costs are real. We have an exploding homeless situation in our nation that continually creates problems in the normal way that we do business, but we're not doing anything to really fix it other than wanting to see them wrapped up and pushed out. 
And with homelessness comes a variety of other problems, sex trafficking, drug abuse, loss of hope, loss of respect and dignity. And it's sad. There's a, there was a couple that was here in my town. Their vehicle was broken down. But in spite of all that, they had the dignity still within them. They kept things neat and clean in their vehicle as much as they could. They, they didn't scatter garbage around. They collected their garbage correctly and, and neatly, and, and, and tying it up in bags and putting it in the garbage can. But that's an exception that you see that fight and you have a lot of empathy for it because they're fighting against all odds at that point. The natural order of events when you're dealing in those states of homelessness ultimately fall to despair. In 2017, when I pretty much lost everything, and I mean that, uh, I was down to just a couple pieces of clothing and um, my laptop and a couple other things. And I had a friend who opened up his home to me, and it was uh, ended up being an, an old farmhouse that needed a lot of work. It was pretty much run down. It was on the backside of his property. And I lived there for two years, and I, rest- I did a lot of restoring of the farmhouse. I didn't complete it, but I did a lot of restoring when I was there. But when I moved in, it was filled with junk. Rats were in it, and there were big cockroaches everywhere. And you just have to kind of start over. And you have to maintain your dignity. You have to maintain your respect. And so you climb back up. And part of that is the, for me, and I would hope for all, it's the rituals of the morning, things that I follow to this moment. And, I'll, and I just never break. You, you get up, you make your bed, you pray. You go on, you start your day. You have a cer- certain set of disciplines that you do every day. Work out, stretch, do your work. Keep yourself organized. Pray, pray again. Those are the sorts of things that just kind of keep us all together. And I think it puts us appropriately in, in the position with God. We aren't walking in a way where we, we shouldn't be walking in a way where we're touching God when we need to or touching God out of ritual or checking in. It should be a constant dialogue, perpetually engaged. And that's literally all the time. That's probably less done than it should be. And it would be the one thing I think in the world that would change things tremendously. I'm always taken in the reflections of the walk that Christ had in this world because it was very quiet. It was very unobtrusive. He didn't want to be idolized. He gave his talks, but he also, as I've always, I say this a lot because I don't think enough people have experienced this level of existence or engaged with these people, but he sat with prostitutes and tax collectors, which were some of the most hated on the, in the world. That's a phenomenal thing. And it's a, it's a, it speaks volumes to who Christ was 
and the examples he was giving to listen. He was more than capable of challenging the Pharisees at their level and destroying them in arguments. He was able to literally walk with the devil and have the devil leave him because Christ pushed the devil beyond where the devil was willing to go. But you would have never known that about him. It's what makes him God's son and which establishes probably the greatest example of our walk in this world. A man that was able, God's son who was able to walk as a man who could flip tables and pull out a whip, who could challenge the Pharisees in the temple, could stand between the accused, the adulteress who was accused and the accusers who had stones in their hand and disarmed them with questions and able to stand on the sermon of the, give the Sermon of the Mount and not only feed them with bread and fish, but in charge his disciples to accomplish the same thing. That's amazing. And with all of that, and for all that we like to talk about ourselves in this way today, where we say things like, well, we shall bow to him and we shall do this. Would we? I hope so. But I think it's worth really deeply reflecting on, because I do. When I ask what happened when he went from all that he did to having the entire people turn on him as they walked, watched him be whipped and flailed and drag his cross up and ultimately be nailed to it. Where were the people? Where was their love for him? Where was the outrage for what the Romans were doing to him? And it wasn't there. He was betrayed. We're coming to similar types of challenges now on a grand scale. The world is facing itself and the sins that we've done. We have a crisis looming that is massive. It's going to challenge us all. Where we have already crises brewing across this nation with, like I said, homeless and people that are living on the edge. Incomes are exhausted. Savings are wiped out for many. And that crosses my mind every day. Always turning to God and asking God, like, who else, who are you going to put before me today that I can do something for? And I do seek it. And I hope we all do. That approach is going to become a necessity for us to endure, to survive what's coming, not just endure. We can't be that isolated nation that sits where we are in hopes of somehow we're going to be 
excluded from this coming storm, that we're going to be okay, and these little thoughts that somehow we're going to be all right with the rest of the world starves. That's not what this time is about. This is now about a connection across the world with humanity, God's children. It's about a coming together and building bridges. And it's important that we really embrace that, I think, because while we have to confront an evil, and there is evil, and there is such a thing as absolute true evil that needs to be destroyed, it's not the majority. It's a minority force with many, many that will suffer until we build the bridges to help one another and come together as one. We can no longer kind of turn our convenient back on what goes on in another part of the world and be comforted by the fact that we have a nice house and a nice car and we've got all the food we need and we're good any more than we can do that with our neighbor. And I talk a lot about that, and there are some real challenges coming ahead. But the importance of us building community and building bridges isn't just because it's the thing to do because the Bible says so. It's because that's the only way we can walk if we're going to walk with Christ. We are in a very big turning point as humanity. I believe that God's given us this as a time to truly be shown what it's going to take for us to really grow. People don't like the idea that God tests us. I don't know whether God tests us or whether the outcome of the event tests us, but either way, we're being tested, and we will be. And these tests are going to challenge all of us. This agriculture crisis is not small, and it's not short. It doesn't matter if they start, if you get another president in or if you get policy changes to where next year they start rapidly seeding the land again. We haven't solved the systemic problems, the GMOs, the toxic chemicals that are destroying the soil and the earth, the lack of nutrition in the food, the dependency on the corporate infrastructure and corporate distribution system, the, the world of convenience that allows us to not have to worry about stewarding the earth but letting someone else do it for us so we can get our boxes of Cheerios. That sort of mentality is what we're talking about at the core of this massive shift, and it's at the core of what is coming, the shaking that's going to happen. That's not prophetic. It's literally the roadmap that you can see by all the statistics, and there's nothing that's, that's going to stop that. But what does make the difference is us and our commitment to truly taking it in our hands to have some, to take back the control of the world, to seek dominion as God gave it to us, to listen closely to Christ, to walk in that humbling way in which he did and to seek to build the bridges as he showed. We have to have the courage and the strength 
to go from being the watcher on the wall and the one that flips tables to know and discern what evil is when we see it. And we have to have the compassion to shed tears and humble ourselves before our neighbor who truly needs help. That's a true warrior to me. That's the warrior that has the greatest strength because it's the warrior that has the greatest heart. Killing is easy. Loving as Christ did, that's an accomplishment. That's truly something to ascend to. Let's pray. Father, in this time that we are in and this moment where we're beginning to see a bigger picture of what's unfolding, we pray for humility and we pray for grace. We pray for the many that like to thump their chest and rattle their sword to take a breath, to take a knee, and to listen, to listen to your wisdom and to open their heart to the compassion that we need for each other. For the challenges that we face with those that are still wrapped in the matrix, give us temperance and grace. Give us that strength to be able to find the words or the actions, or even the presence to simply leave that glimmer of light that they'll have to remember and hopefully will continue to seek. Let us be humbled in this walk that we're in and grateful for all that you have given us. The ability to see clearly in a time of chaos the revealing of all the evil is, that is there. That it can no longer be hiding in the dark, but now you have brought it to the light for us to see. And with that, Father, let us have the commitment to making the true change. This isn't just a change about us or them. This is a change of us as a collective whole, as you very well know that we have to reset the way in which we approach this world. We have to step off of our pedestals of arrogance. We have to step off our arrogance that comes from our national prides and our flags. We have to start looking at each other as children of you. And we have to start finding our way forward to solving the many challenges and bridges and building the many bridges that will be needed to reset things in your path. For those that are sitting waiting for the return of Christ, let them be reminded that we need to keep moving, that we need to keep doing. We need to keep our eyes forward as you would direct us, not to be idle, but to be part of, of this kingdom and to help expand this kingdom until such that day comes. Guide us and protect us. Give us the wisdom that we need. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.
there's a, it's a beautiful world. It really is. And I've reflected so much these last few days on just how much we have been given. We are in a time when we can truly see clearly where that evil is. We couldn't even see it this well a year ago. And the picture's coming together. It's getting more clear day by day. And it's going to demand an enormous amount of accountability on everybody's part. And it's going to demand a willingness for us to continue to pursue truth and to pursue that truth, not independent, but as integral to our relationship with Christ and with Father. Well, that will test us all at one point or another. And with that, we have to have the clarity to realize that what we're seeing isn't a shadow and it's not a trick or an illusion, but we're truly looking at a true crisis for humanity. And we're going to need to come together to solve it. And it's that simple because we're not all of the same part in the body. We're all in the different parts of the body, seeing the world with unique eyes that make the body so unbelievably perfect. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. Lots of prayers right now. I think really all of us need to be seeking prayers for clarity and that real clear next steps that God wants us to take. God is with us, and he'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. Yet we're here, and we're here in this time, in this place. And that's not an accident, and it is for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Have a blessed evening. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove That we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now
sunsets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow, oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Thank you. 